This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the Old City of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. And today is the first day of the month of Adar. It's really Adar Bet's the second Adar. And um, we're going to be moving in over the next two weeks towards Purim. Purim will be two weeks from now. It'll be on a Friday for Jerusalem, Thursday and the rest of the world. It's a very special Purim in Jerusalem because it rolls seamlessly into Shabbat. And the problem is, is you need to designate someone to get take the things out of your pockets that do not belong in your pockets on Shabbat, like cell phones and stuff like that, and money and all that stuff. So, so yeah, just designate someone who's somewhat sober to make sure that your clothing does not contain uh, things that are forbidden to be carried on Shabbos. Um, but anyway, it moves seamlessly into Shabbos, which makes it really the highest Shabbos of the year. It's like a really, really fun Shabbos to go from Purim into Shabbos. Now, of course, if you're a Litvak, you're gonna tr- you're gonna treat no offense to Litvaks, but you're gonna treat Purim as if like we'll I guess we'll party next year, and you'll you'll like I don't know you start drinking like after Shachris or something like. <laughs> If I drank after shoppies, I'd probably wind up beating somebody or something like within within an hour because like I just could not do that. But I think they drink after shoppies and then they like wash when they get home and then they like kind of keep it mellow because you don't want to be drunk going into Shabbos and you got to get Shabbos ready, all that. But but the Hasidim just party straight through. I Meaning we don't even we don't even bench. We 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 yeah we switch the tablecloth. You know, make kiddish in the middle of the Purim party. You know, and we make Kiddush. And again, I can't say this for all Hasidim. This is more of a Jerusalem custom. But, but we just make Kiddush in the middle of the Purim party. Like, once it's dark enough, we make Kiddush. And, uh, and then we just keep partying. And you're not allowed to do Shmona Esrei drunk anyway, so... We usually do Shmona Esrei like... Yeah, we dominate later. Later, we dominate like midnight or something. And one, you know, when we finally, like, got our acts together, we finally... You know, we're like sober enough to pray. That's later. This year, I kind of had a goal to pray at the right time. Even though we weren't going to bench yet, we were just going to take a break to pray and then come back to the party. But I can't decide. I mean, either way, we're for sure going to spill out into some crazy Karlibach. But but to do Shimon is uh, dubious. I don't know if we'll be sober enough. Now, of course, the halacha, the law, Jewish law of not davening when you're that trashed is can only be kept when you're sober. So the likelihood that a lot of people will be praying completely wasted is high because they're too high to distinguish the halacha anyway. So, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's interesting the whole halacha and Purim all together. I mean, halachas do change on Purim. For example, like if you came over to someone's house and you totally trashed their house, you know, you got drunk and trashed their house. Are you liable for trashing their house? If you're, are you allowed to say, "Sorry, I was drunk, man. I'm off the hook." You're allowed to say that to someone. Go trash their house and say they're off the hook. Well, guess what? If it's Purim, you're you're off the hook. Now, I don't know if you if I want to tell too many people that before they come to my house, but yeah, I'm Purim. If it's Purim and you're drunk and you trash their house, you're off the hook. What's the time period one can do that? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent question. 
Excellent question. I don't know. What is that time period? You won't be invited next year, though. Right, right. I am almost positive it would have to be after sun, after midday. Be after, be after. It would have to be after chatzos because you have to have the Purim Suda. No, I guess after Shachris, you can really start your Purim Suda. So I guess anytime after Nate's, when people first start in Shachris, because anyone can start a Suda then. So if that Suda, you're supposed to get drunk until, I guess, till they bench. Yeah, from after Shachris. No, but those, bench. like you said, Jerusalem, they continue the party in the Shachris. So yeah, if the guy trashed your house on Shabbos, he's not liable. No, if you washed, if you wash before sundown, you're still important. Yeah, you can take it all the way to like for three days later. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. And that's a lot of drunken days. But we do that. We actually have three, you know, we have three drunken days in Jerusalem. This year, Purim's landing on Friday. If Purim lands on Saturday, then it's three straight drunken days in a row. Because you have to party Friday. Because Friday, we do some of the mitzvahs. Then Shabbos Day, we have to party. And Sunday is the real drunken party. So you got three days of drinking if it lands on Shabbos. It's called Purim Meshulash. Shulash, like Shalosh. Purim Meshulash. And it goes in a years of ten. I think we're finishing the years of ten where it hits Fridays. And then it'll be years of ten where we're going to have three or four Purim Meshulashim, which are... Those are also lots of fun, but they're not quite as fun as Purim hitting Shabbos night like it is this year. This year is going to be particularly good, but you're going to have to find a Hasidic host for Shabbos dinner if you're expecting anything of what I'm describing, because it just does not exist outside of those circles. And even in some Hasidic circles, it doesn't exist. So you got to find out who's partying Friday night and make sure you're a guest at that house. You know, I mean, then again, you can just crash a lot of people's houses. Uh, my house, I asked respectfully to everyone to, if you're going to crash our porn party, Shabbos night, it should be after you've eaten somewhere. Because I have all the people who've been crashing throughout the day, seeing the table suddenly get set up for Shabbos dinner, and they're just like, perfect, yeah. <laughs> this is great. And so those are kind of my Shabbos guests automatically. So I can't have like a hundred people show up in the middle of the meal. I mean, sorry, at the beginning of the meal. So, anyone who's around, I imagine, will probably be sticking around. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about it. So, we got a lot of joy coming, but joy comes in two ways on Purim, and it's pretty rough to deal with this, uh, because it's quite a, there's a conflict with the joy, and the joy conflict is as follows. The real deep aspect of this time of year is that everything's one, and everything comes from the one. God is one, everything comes from the one. And the, that's the real deep aspect of Purim, that everything's one and everything comes from the one. Well, that's pretty deep stuff. That's Kabbalistic, meaning that means that you don't even exist. That means if you're standing in front of a lake, you and that lake are one. Yeah, you're, you're like literally saying to yourself, I'm a lake. Yeah, you're, you're, you are the lake. And, and, the, and so that lack of distinction, and notice wine does that to you. You know, why, why are you not allowed to drive drunk? Is because you, you just, you don't have the distinctions that normal drivers make. And so you just won't distinguish things properly. So the whole, and don't forget the, the whole sin that where we get the word Haman from, the first time Hey Mem Nun shows up in the Torah is when God asks Adam and Eve, Hamin Ha'etz, Hamin, Hamin. 
Hamina eats. Did you eat from that tree that you were forbidden to eat from? Which tree? The tree of distinction between good and evil, meaning distinctions. You ate from the distinction tree. Not allowed to eat from the distinction tree. And the snake made us eat from the, from the distinction tree where things aren't one. Did you eat from that tree where things, that turns things into two? Did you eat from the multiplicity tree where things are distinct from one another? So on the one hand, Purim's very deep. Now, who could explain to me, who could raise their hand and explain why realizing everything's really one? Just like the Havdalah candle burns, it's multi-wicked, but it burns into one. So if, could someone raise their hand and tell me why everything really deep down is one, why that brings joy? Why does that bring joy? Yeah, in the back. Nice, puts us all on the same level, excellent. Okay, we're all equalized by that. It's a great equa- equalizer. Yeah? There's no bad. No what? Okay, then there's no bad. You know, if everything's one, there's no bad. Yeah? Is that good? <laughs> what, what, what's up? Why does that bring you joy? Maybe it doesn't bring you joy. It brings me tremendous joy. To know that everything's one. We're all connected. Connected, good. We're all connected, yeah. Okay, maybe my neshama, my body is one. I would have thought more the joy is that I'm one with God. Meaning my soul and my, my neshama and God are, are the same, made of the same stuff. So my... How's it going? Welcome. Come on in. A couple seats here and there. So, whoa. No, you did good. You missed her by a couple centimeters. Like to say inches. So, anyway, oneness green brings great joy, but it's maybe the reason you're all looking a little baffled right now on, on my request for you to explain it is because is because you wouldn't think of this as joy. You meaning you, when you think joy, you think like. A different kind of joy, and that's the conflict. So let's talk about the other kind of joy. The other kind of joy is the joy of, it's kind of the joy of elation. It's the joy of jumping up and down. It's a joy of, of fun. It's more, much more frivolous. It's more funny. It's, it's, it's creating, a, you know, you're lighter, you're light, maybe even lightheaded. You're, you're, you're joking around. You're, you're doing funny stuff. You're, you're, um, uh, inhibitions have been like totally lifted. You're you're just feeling free, and so you're just gonna like parade down the street with the random people who are kind of ser- these traveling minstrels who happen to be walking by. You're you're gonna dance with them down the block, you know, for at least a block, if not more. And and you understand, there's that high, that kind of joy, that's an external joy. And we're used to that. Like, for example, the joy you get at a bar mitzvah or a wedding or a, or a birthday party where they've, like, really made it, like, that everyone should be as happy as possible. You know, the whole point is to, like, slug off the weight of the world and, and, and just be in joy. And, and so that's a major kind of joy. And I would say that the majority of people who celebrate this month 
are going for that joy. I would say the majority are going for that joy. For example, in my neighborhood, I live in a neighborhood called Nachlaot. Nachlaot's kind of the hate Ashbury of Jerusalem, Lahavdil. It's the uh, it's the uh, Venice Beach of Jerusalem. You know, it's the lower lower east side, the uh, the village of Israel. You know, it's, a, it's kind of cannabis wafting in the air, and, and like all these hippie trippy dudes everywhere, and. And it's not that it doesn't have every kind of Jew. It has every kind of Jew, but but it's but it's also got a, like a serious serious hippie element to it. I almost said ailment. <laughs> it's got a serious element of hippies um, cruising around in Nachlaot. It's a, it's a pretty trippy place. A lot of fun to live there if you're single and like you know just kind of living in Jerusalem. But but not a great place to get married out of because. You notice anywhere people are too f- uh, mingling, they generally there's no weddings there. You know, it's like Upper West Side. You know, like like moving the Upper West Side is like basically throwing in the towel. You know, for getting married because because now you're part of that whole crew, and it's a big crew and very few weddings going on over there. So the same thing with Nachlo. You got to be a little careful about Nachlo on that level. But it's uh, anyway. So here's this great place. But it becomes a street party from Purim night, which isn't even when the party's supposed to start. But Purim night, which is this you're going to be Thursday night, from Thursday night, like literally after sundown, it's going to go, it's going to become this party that's in the streets uh, in, to the tune of thousands and thousands and thousands of people in this massive street party with, with bands and speaker systems and everyone's in costume and and there's a lot of secular people wearing wearing costumes that are not very modest so so uh, if the men want to go party over there you've been warned you know that that it may not be the place for a benter to be wandering around and um anyway but meanwhile, it's the deep... So that's like the light party. And also all the yeshiva boys, whether they're Hasidic or Litvish, play the light party. They're all doing the light thing. Everyone's going light. And they're excited about it. Like, they can't wait to lighten up and just party down for an entire day, entire night, next day. And usually young buchers have the stamina to party both at night and at day. But, uh, I mean, that's pretty intense. Are you guys able to party both? Oh, right, they party the day before also. Yeah, and many of them party the day before because the cities that are outside Jerusalem party the day before, and there's people. I and mean, can you do three days straight? You can do it? Can You, you did it last year? You, you hung in there? Yeah. And even the last, the, the day that you were supposed to party in Jerusalem, like you were partying? You were able to go like the best of them? Yeah. Full stamina. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't do it. My brother Sam can do it, and he's flying in this year. Purim's with my brother Sam in town are crazy, but he's hard to keep an eye on because he'll, he'll just, I mean, anything can just pull him out, and he just disappears down the river of people. And, and so, like, you know, we flew him in one year, and we're like, part of us paying for your ticket is that you don't just go down the stream. You know, like, you're supposed to be with us. And he's a really funny guy, and wherever he is, the party is. So, anyway, but there's this whole other Kabbalistic, supercalifragic, expelidocious, deep joy 
that falls totally flat on most people. I mean, most people don't even know what that is about. And they just miss it. They miss it altogether. And and I'm in I'm right in the b- middle of the two because when I go into that deeper joy, I don't express that outer joy so much. I don't do both. Like I'm either in that deeper joy and then when I'm in that deeper joy, I'm like so grounded and so collected and my mind is like traveling into a million universes of the oneness because the oneness is really the oneness in, you know, it's amazing when you start contemplating the oneness of God. I mean, it, it gets you to a really intense state and there's no greater time to do that than Purim. Purim's like... That is the day of the oneness. Like, that's the big day of celebrating the oneness to the point where, like, we're supposed to get so drunk, it says. You know what the breathalyzer is? You know what a breathalyzer is when you people blow to see how much alcohol content is in their blood? Did you know there's a Purim breathalyzer? The Purim breathalyzer is if you still know the difference between the hero, Mordechai, and the villain, Haman. If you still know the difference, you haven't drunk enough yet. Now, you got to be pretty darn drunk. It's not the difference between a hero and a villain. I mean, is it even possible to get that drunk? Can you get that drunk? With and, and can you get that? You may be able to get that drunk, but where are you going to be in a minute later? You're going to be throwing up. You know, instead of praying to the God of Almighty, you're going to be praying to the porcelain God in the bathroom. So <laughs> there you are. There you are on your knees, <laughs> bowing in front of the toilet. You know, which hardly sounds like Purim. Anyway, but we're supposed to get, that's the breathalyzer, like to no longer know the difference. But the funniest thing about those two words is you'll notice that there is no real difference between those two words. Like, for example, you got, these are very different letters than each other. You got the word Baruch and the word Mordechai. Baruch, um, mixing up letters, letters, but whatever. Baruch, Mordechai. And you got, um, and then you got Arur Haman. Oh, gosh. Sorry, I'm a little mixed up here. In essentials, I try to use block letters for people who didn't, weren't raised with the cursive, but I'm mixing them together. Maybe I'll fix the Dalin. Okay, and then you got the word Arur Haman. Okay, so these are two very different words. And they're, you know, it's just different letters going on over here. And the, but when you add, and this means blessed is, um, blessed is Mordechai. And this one means uh, cursed is Haman. And we're told that we have to get so wasted on Purim that we don't even know the difference between these two between blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. But what's cool about these two words is when you add them up, that's 2 plus 200 plus 6 plus 20 plus 40 plus 200 plus 4 plus 20 plus 10. You know what that equals? It equals 502. And it turns out that 1 plus 200 plus 6 plus 200 plus 5 plus... 40 plus 50 is 502. They both equal 502. 
which is very interesting because it's the drunk driving code of California. They even call it that. Like the, it's called getting a 502. Don't ask how I know that. I never got a 502. Never. But there, there, was, there was a time where they really wanted to give me one because I was doing donuts in Beverly Hills uh, in a out-of-state license plate car. We were doing donuts. And it was getting psychedelic after a while. I mean, I was just starting to see lights and all kinds of trippy stuff as we were spinning around with me flooring it. You know, I was just flooring it and just the car was just spinning. And after a while, I'm just noticing lights, 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 until one of the guys in the car said, I think it's the cops. So anyway, I finally slow it down until we're like, we stop. We're surrounded by squad cars. They were like, you turned onto the street off Wilshire at 70 miles per hour. You mean you went, you did a 90 degree turn at 70 miles per hour, you know, which is true, but I, I raced cars. So I was just like drifted all the way around the turn, you know, like, you know, and, and then start doing donuts. I didn't realize the cops had been watching all this. Apparently I was, it was my second high speed chase that I've been in and I didn't know I was in the chase. I didn't know I was being chased. There was another story where I had a high speed chase. In, uh, in Jerusalem, which amazing story. Remind me to tell you about that high-speed chase. Anyway, but when, they, when the cops got us out of the car, everyone had an open beer, including me. But you know, I was just enjoying a beer on my way home. It wasn't, I wasn't drunk. But anyway, that's the drunk driving code is 502. Now, I don't, uh, by the way, I don't drive with alcohol open usually ever. I mean, that was, that was a unique thing time I was a teenager yeah it might spill it was a unique time anyway the um, but they they actually equal each other the numbers actually equal each other and it just gets us back to the oneness and it's also very interesting in the story because apparently the Jews were pretty off at this time it, when we were in Babylon the Jews were pretty off at that point we were like not doing great. I mean, how else did Haman rise to power if we were doing, you know, like we were doing bad? And that's how you get a Haman into power. It's kind of like Hitler rose to power in a time of 55% intermarriage in Germany. And California didn't even hit, LA didn't hit 55% intermarriage till like the 1990s. How is it in 1930s? Germany's at 55% intermarriage. Well, it's very indicative of this time that Hitler rose to power. That those kind of times are the times where people can rise. You know, they can just slide through things. People of evil intent can slide through when the Jews are not vigilant. Okay? And for those of you who love to say, like, oh, how can you say that's how the Holocaust happened? That wasn't how the Holocaust happened. So don't go there. What I was saying was how Hitler rose to power. Hitler rose to power. power was not how the, Hol- the Holocaust happened after Hitler rose to power. Quite related, though. Quite related, but once evil's in position, watch out. You know, watch out. And the same thing, Haman rose to power, and our sages clearly tell us that he rose to power exactly when the Jews had hit a low point. We had hit a low point, assimilation-style low point, and Haman rose to power. Didn't mean there's going to be a decree, but there was a decree. Because when evil rises to power, watch out, it brings up a whole other subject which is, you know, those are deeper subjects. But how people rise to power against us is usually when we're not vigilant as, as a tribe, when we're not keeping our tribal rights. Now, 
Anyway, long story short here is that is that Haman caused, he, he decreed a genocide, and that genocide caused the Jews to unite, very important, and to repent, very important, and to um, pray, very important. Because what is prayer? Prayer is connection. Like you're, you're calling out to somebody. You're calling out to God. And so, so Haman seems, even though he's the villain in the story, he seems to be like doing a much better job than the Jews are. You know, like meaning, I don't know who the Jewish leadership of the time was, but they were doing a pretty lousy job compared to Haman. Haman, uh, the Jewish leaders didn't unite everybody. The Jewish leaders didn't get the Jews doing, doing <coughs> teshuva. The Jewish leaders didn't get the Jews in prayer. It was Haman who did that. Now, who created the whole genocide? Who was, whose problem was, who, why did we get a genocide? Because Mordechai. Mordechai. Mordechai is not very diplomatic, man. Like, every leader in the Jewish world knows how to bow down to, to you know, foreign powers. You know, you look at Jewish leaders today. Like, you have to, like, go like that. I mean, you're lucky you don't have to kiss the Pope's shoes when you're a Jewish leader. You know, there, there's... Being a Jewish leader, like a recognized Jewish leader, means tremendous... Com- uh, 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 the word I just disappeared out of my mouth. It begins with C-O-N, but I don't remember what it was. But you, you have to... Uh, we'll go with C-O-M instead, compromise. You have to compromise a lot when you're dealing with foreign powers and you're dealing with powerful people. And we're, you know, we're always... Jews are always hanging in the balance of whatever country we live in. And so you find yourself going, like being overly gracious towards people who, you know, have power and, and they were in a bit of vulnerable, we're a bit vulnerable to those countries. And, and we, and I don't think any of us would accept a Jewish leader who wouldn't. Would any of us, ex- would we accept a Jewish leader upon us who can't bow down? Like he said, like Jacob bowed down to Asaph when he was coming back to the land of Israel in uh, Parshas Vaishlach. So why though? Why what? Oh, leave it to Yehuda to say, like, why bow down? I'm with you, brother. I ain't bowing down to nobody. <laughs> but we're not leading you and I. So, anyway. We're not supposed to apologize for being Jewish. Now, yeah. I understand out of respect. You know, there is a whole thing. I want to say karate. They said you're supposed to bow to their de- 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 dojo or their karate Sensei. Master, sensei. Uh, and I was told, you know, you can kind of, like, tilt your head, but, like, don't bow down too far. Yeah, don't bow down too far. Jews shouldn't bow down too far. So, out of respect, I can can understand, but, like, we shouldn't... I'm not saying we're, like, the best in the world. I'm not trying to brag about being Jewish, but we should be proud of who we are and not give in to the other nations and make them think that, oh, you're bowing down to us because we're weaker. We're a weaker uh, nation than the rest of the nation. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. But what we're ultimately discussing is the tightrope called diplomacy. When you're a leader of the Jews, you're dealing with diplomacy issues. And, and it, you can be the holiest guy in the world with the highest standards in the world, but, but when you got your people you know, hanging in the balance of foreign leaders, you know, diplomacy is going to be important. But Mordechai, was he very diplomatic? Very not diplomatic. Now, again, he's a prophet. I mean, they we're talking about prophets. Esther was a prophet. Mordechai was a prophet. So, obviously, when Mordechai says, I'm not bowing down to greet this Haman villain, he knows trouble's coming. Like, he's, a, he's a prophet. He knows, like, he's, he's creating, he's going to be creating big issues here. And that's exactly what happened. 
But nevertheless, the genocide came from Mordecai's lack of diplomacy and the, and the savior, uh, Haman saving the day, sorry, Haman <laughs> decreeing the genocide. See, I'm already that drunk. I'm calling Haman the savior. Haman's the one who got the Jews to unite. Anyway, the bottom line is there's deep joy and there's, there's frivolous external joy. Can we do both? Can you do both? Yeah. Why is Tom the day of one else? Like, why is that? Why specifically? Ah, good question. Anyone else have that question? What's your question? Why is Purim the day of oneness? Purim's day of oneness. So I already explained it there, but I'll explain it a little further. It's the day of oneness because the you'll notice that in the Purim story, we are um, we have God missing from God's name is not written in the whole story. And the, what does the word Megillah mean? Scroll and Esther means you know Esther, but it also means Megillah means to reveal. And the word Esther means to... Need a seat? There's a seat right here. The, the word Megillah means to reveal, and the word Esther means the hidden. So when you put Megillah and Esther together, what do you get? Revelation of the hidden. Revelation of the hidden. Well, what's the hidden? What's the hidden when you read the story? What's hidden? God's hidden. And then you have this whole story where everything seems totally disconnected, all kinds of like... All kinds of um, coincidences happening the whole time. You know, it's like a real doubt that God's involved at all in this story. It really looks dark at times, and and it's like, and that doubt, by the way, is is very important. In the when we doubt God, that's like real big time for the villains to rise. You know, and in fact, the numerical value, the villains, the villains against us are called Amalek which is spelled like this. And it's the same numerical value as the word suffix. Okay, so Amalek is the family of the villains. And uh, in fact, Haman's the direct descendant of the king of Amalek, one of the Canaanite nations. And the word suffix means doubt. Doubt. Now, where does doubt come from? Where, where does... Where does what is doubt connected to? Doubt's connected to distinctions. Meaning the more you see the distinctions of this world, the more you doubt the oneness of God in all of it. And so, and so doubt and distinctions and Amalek who wants to, Amalek's main thing is that like nothing's, nothing's connected. Like everything's random. Like everything, it's just coincidence. It's like a, Amalek's like a millennial. A millennial liberal university campus person or any media anchor at CNN. Okay. That, that is Amalek ultimately. And, uh, which is kind of interesting cause it's kind of a hippie thing. Like no distinctions. We're all the same, you know, make love, not war. And, and I'm a lake, you know, I'm, you stand at the lake. You're like me and this lake are one. I'm a lake. Yeah. I'm a lake. It's all, it's all one. No distinctions whatsoever. So the word doubt and Amalek are the same because, because the, they're all about no distinctions. And no dis, when you have no distinctions, so then... Oh, you want to hear... It's really kind of interesting because distinctions, the multiplicity of our world, 
makes everything look doubtful. Like you doubt, Why would anyone in this room doubt God? We'd all doubt God because we look around the room, we don't see him. We understand great details of science, so we don't like necessarily need God to answer any of those questions because science has things pretty wired. So it's interesting, the distinctions of the world create doubt. And yet the people who are from the Amalek world, they hate distinctions. They don't like our chosenness. They don't like men or, or women, like separation or distinction. They don't like the whole binary uh, gender thing. They, they don't like, you know, they, they just think we're all one. Like they're literally, they want to sing We Are the World with, with radical Islamists. <laughs> they just want to get in a giant choir of We Are the World with these guys. You know, when really they're the ultimate enemies. I mean, they, 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 the radical Islamists are not going to be very friendly to millennials if they had their, if they had, you know, right now they got them on their side, so they're very friendly to millennials. But, but you know, put, put a millennial into, you know, put a millennial into Saudi Arabia or into Iran or Iraq, you know, they'll last about an hour over there. You know, they, and uh, anyway, but it is kind of interesting because when you get rid of all the distinctions, when you just want to say we're all the same and everything like that, that's very Amalek. When you get into the world of distinctions, you get a lot of doubt. Like the world of multiplicity can create doubt. Hey, is it after four? Oh my gosh, it's four thirteen. Shalom, everybody. Have a great day. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.